0: Hello, and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week, we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 62, with...
1: Joseph Makos, and... Joseph Biavenu. This is the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? Some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safer for poetry. So,
0: it is a... Hot summer to Wellness day, and we are back on St. Claude. We're in the back part of the studio again today.
1: And it's pretty hot outside. We've got a guest on, who is no stranger to the studio, who's been over here before. Welcome, Jonathan. Hello,
2: Jonathan. thank you.
1: Benton, how's it going? Pretty good. I, um, I've done two radio
3: shows fairly recently, and I'm really excited to sit in front of a mic and have the option of swearing with any,
1: with any word. Oh, so, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, you're allowed to do that. This is, a. Uh, this is, a. Uh, we have, a. Uh, we have a, 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 explicit, a, a, a tag. explicit tag rating uh-huh. on our show. Oh,
3: fantastic,
1: yeah. <laughs> I did know that was a thing, right? I, I don't know that I need to swear or, or have any
3: of the that I feel like hurling in particular, but, you know, just to know that I can and not have it in the back of my head,
2: you can't send me a word the
3: whole time
1: is, is a great relief. You can say the F word any time you want. I mean, you can read a poem with, with as much F's uh, as you want as possible.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't remember which ones have them because I don't. You know, I don't think about it. Um, but yeah, writing for the radio, you know, I had to go through and I had to print out the poems that I want and I had to scratch stuff out, you know, and write flipping there, you
1: know. Um, <laughs> I, I, flipping.
3: I, I did. I, I said flipping on, on the air, um, and and I don't know if. Um, if you're allowed to say "goddamn" on the air, but I, I scratched it
1: out and wrote bloody anyway, you know, better safe than sorry, right? <laughs> <laughs> my, my phone autocorrects fucking to ducking. Right? So yeah. I've, like, sent people messages before, it's like, the ducking, whatever, you know? <laughs> I've, I've seen you Until I corrected it, I had to add it, yeah, I had to add it. I mean, I think if you're gonna
0: substitute fuck or something, you need to go full Battlestar Galactica and just use
2: fracking. Frack. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> or or farfly uh, running, I like
2: that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> running.
0: For some reason it's all it's all science fiction innovations for mm-hmm. for replacing expletives.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. That, there's a whole science behind you know the development of languages for science shows, right? You know, Christian Buck helped like develop shows for uh, languages for Star Trek. I did. No. Yeah, he he worked on Star Trek. Uh, I think Voyager and another one. Uh-huh. Like he. Helped write a, like a Klingon song for one of them, and like he also like uh, is an expert in um, sci-fi languages on Star Trek
2: hmm.
1: and the linguistics behind it. Yeah. All right, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Um, still Canadian, I but
3: uh,
1: you're fr- you not know, from Canada, can are you? Plant something. Some- okay, yeah, I think so. I just been a poet. You've been, <laughs> <laughs> but you know. He is a poet. Yeah, true, true, true. He didn't, uh, like, implant
0: something in some DNA and then... He did that, too. <laughs> no, but I mean to come up with some
1: his <laughs> science fiction languages. I think he... <laughs> yeah. But, uh... So, Jonathan, you, I know that I know that you are in and out of a bunch of uh, different poetry worlds here. Is so, yeah, wait
0: before, we, oh, wait. before we get to... Before we talk about just, poetry... Uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, briefly.
3: Sure, yeah. Let's see. I'm 43
1: years old, and 20 years ago... I, um, I I mean, yeah,
3: I know that's a funny way to start, but 20 years ago I started a website called Unlikely Stories. Um, and that's funny because I was 23 at the time and 23 year olds shouldn't be editing, but I was. Um, I was because it was 1998 and the web was pretty primitive and there wasn't any, there weren't very many people um, in literary yeah, yeah. magazines at the time. So you know a 23 year old could get started and just keep doing it until he became competent. Which I think I've achieved in the years since. Um, yeah, it's on UnlikelyStories.org, org, and yeah, it's a twenty year old literary magazine, and we uh, we now publish books as Unlikely Books, and um, we're having a party later this month, and then we'll be releasing our twentieth anniversary issue hopefully on July first. Not on wood.
0: So actually, that that'd be a fun fun thing to talk about
3: is so there was I.
0: It seemed to me, so you you got on that train real early, mm-hmm. 1998, 1998, and then it seemed like in the early 2000s there was this big explosion of online literary magazines for a while, and now it seems to kind of have
3: petered out.
0: There's not as many as there used to have been.
3: It, it's funny. Um, uh, one funny thing is that there are uh, two people in their early 20s right now running Philosophical Idiot, which is a pretty good magazine, but... Uh, and, and
1: 2010,
3: when ebooks finally sold outsold uh, physical books, I was like, "That's it. That's a one-way trend. Physical books are now being replaced." Yeah, and I was wrong. Physical books yeah. are now more popular than ebooks again, and maybe it's headed the same way with literary journals,
1: which is fine. I don't feel concerned. The web's not going anywhere either. No, I, I don't
2: think
0: know. There though always will
1: be. So no matter what happens, but yeah. Yeah, but I don't know though because I think as the internet conti- continues to keep you know reinventing itself. I think that there's going to be, you know, there, there's going to be these these pockets that are still going to sort of, like, be waiting to be filled by tidbits of literary stuff on the web, rich content. I think it actually is the ability for literary magazines online to keep reinventing themselves and yeah. stay fresh. Like, Diagram has ha- somehow done that, uh, you know, yeah. over the years. And I've always been a big fan, you know, and there's, there's, there's uh, a number of other ones that I think have uh been doing you know stuff i mean we know we've got friends who have a, you know a bunch of friends who run a bunch of you know yeah, different no, um, i think so. yeah, there's some some things are... but i think it needs to reinvent it needs to keep reinventing itself i don't know that's just a thought i had but i don't know what you what do you think about that like like i mean does that play into your night you know you've been doing it for 20 years mm-hmm. and we've redesigned it every few years and yeah absolutely um uh
3: the reinvention is
1: extremely important and I
3: think the reinventions is um, more competitive now because uh, social media is so much a part of people's web experience uh, so often. I, I mean, I, I, nobody keeps track, but when you are on your phone, how many times do you use your Facebook browser as opposed to a traditional browser? You know, you follow a link in Facebook. I mean, I hate that. I, I
1: do, too. I, I hate you
3: could it. turn it off, but I don't think you can
1: turn it I off. I hate it. I, I always want it to open up in either Safari or Chrome. Mm-hmm. I, I, it annoys me so much. Because for me, I bookmark a lot of stuff. and like, how do I come like, back? There is a way to do it through Facebook. But anyways, I, I hate
0: it. I don't use it. I don't have Facebook installed on my phone. Yeah, I, you're smart, I just, man. I mean, I, I, if I, I, I use it, I just go through the browser. You know, I might do that. Sure, well, because also that. I want and all the makes...
3: ads blocked.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, there's, and there's a lot <laughs> of them. And the Facebook browser doesn't always render ads effectively. So you pull up an article and you actually can't scroll past the ad sometimes.
0: So I guess with literary magazines...
3: I guess the advantage of electronic
0: medium for that is you the cost is less to some to oh, some yeah. extent. I mean, you don't have to worry about printing and oh yeah, distribution, <laughs> which is a nice thing about it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, do you is it hard to get
3: traffic to get people to come read the read this stuff at the magazine? It was in the beginning, and I think it's gotten harder uh, now that social media has become so prevalent and people would rather just uh, read Facebook. Smart people. Smart uh, people, good readers will get lazy and uh, look at Facebook rather than look on the web. So I think that's a brand new challenge. I think web magazines, running a web magazine has gotten tougher in the past few years, and I've redesign the site uh to try and meet that challenge that I know other people have. And you know, I mean you gotta respect the challenge. Other yeah I mean you respect the challenge. Or you throw a tantrum man, so let's go with respecting the challenge. You know it mean, just
0: it just suddenly came to mind as I was thinking about that. And I think he just recently passed this year. But remember Selby's list? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That used to be my way of finding electronic literary magazines I was just going through that.
3: That was yeah, great. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah, it
0: was last year, wasn't it? Yeah, and yeah. That, was, that was just a great service. It was like, okay, here's one place on the web where it's a pretty complete list of all the literary magazines out there right. that are online.
3: I know Trish Hopkins is doing a pretty good job there. Um, uh, Entropy does a job there, um, and it has lots of interesting stuff. Um, and I know um, uh, there's some Facebook groups that are working very hard on that. Okay. Um, so that's, you know, the, the advantage of Facebook's, uh, like the call for submissions. There's several call for submissions groups. A couple of them are run by Celine McLeod, who, who seems, uh, real energetic and, um, competent. So yeah, Celine McLeod, Trish Hopkins, and the crew over at Entropy. Um, I hate duotrope. Um, I don't like dealing with it. You know, I, I, um, I respect that, uh, submitters should have a chance to, um, independently review and or complain about magazines and how long it takes to get stuff published or, you know, whether or not they heard back, um, you know, or whatever they want to do. Um, but all that's a paid service. Um, I don't like the free interface. And yeah.
2: Well,
0: it also seems to me a little bit unhelpful mm-hmm. because it doesn't really give you the complete pay- I mean, it's a big difference for a magazine with a large staff right. or a magazine with a smaller staff, what that means. Right when you're looking at how fast their turnaround is on responding to things. And right. I don't know. I don't know how you solve that problem, but to me it's like I don't know how useful that information is as a writer to look at if you're if you're deciding where to submit or deciding what sure. you want to...
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's, what's in a stat? I don't, I don't find it useful. Um, but, but some writers, you know, some writers are willing to acknowledge the difference between getting published in a big magazine and a small magazine. Like... Um, There was a a writer, um, uh, not a writer, an editor, an editor who disappeared and abandoned her site and abandoned all her projects. And you would see uh, writers flaming her for this. It's like, (laughs) okay, she's gone. There are some reasons why she might be gone. She might be gone, gone, so, you know, lay off. This is not like the Boston (laughs) Review, suddenly abandoning the ship. Um, This is an individual person who's disappeared. Sometimes
0: magazines need to die. I let mine die. My, my online year. magazine. I had one called Mustachioed oh. for first of uh-huh. time, but I was I was the only only staff, only editor, <laughs> only staff. Right. So only I only published it like once a year, but um, I did it for like four or five years. No, maybe it was even six years. I don't know, but uh, I've actually just let it die. But the funny thing was, as soon as I did. And I let the domain die. I let I I stopped renewing my domain. Someone bought it up for just some weird—I don't know what they were trying to drive traffic for. But they would use like poetry terms because they knew um, that people had come in the past. But it was just like a gobbledygook nonsense stuff that had been put on there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I liked doing it, but it was the. I, it began to be overwhelming. The longer it existed, I don't know if you found that the submissions just oh, got in, increasing and increasing and <laughs>
2: increasing the amount of submissions you would get.
0: Uh, it got it got more difficult. In the beginning, it wasn't that hard because the amount of submissions was very manageable <laughs> like if I kept up with it.
3: I, I, I love and hate the submissions that come in. and as the submissions increase more of these come in where I really don't know if they're, it's good or not. You know, where, where I'm like, I can't, I can't tell. I, I mean, that's that's exciting and also terrifying. But you're allowed to make mistakes. Yeah, well, and that's better than
0: when you just have a flood of submissions that you know are terrible. You're right. like, oh, this is just a waste of my time going through all of this. It's good when you have ones where you, you're you like, I'm not sure this is... <laughs> I
3: have to ask, did you have a mustache at the time? I did not. Okay, it was <laughs> just mustachio.
0: Yeah, and the, the, the concept was... When I this was this was like two thousand two I think or something when I started it uh, I didn't like at the time I felt like a lot of the online magazines were very Spartan looking. Oh, I gotcha. So I wanted something that looked a little more interesting. So I had uh, exquisite core drawings paired with every piece, mm-hmm. um, and that was kind of a... Driving aesthetic of the thing to just have something a little visually interesting going on with the with the literature. Cool. But yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I just I had to let it go. It was too much work. Sure. Move on to other things. So I don't know. I'm impressed that you've managed to keep this going for this long.
3: You know, I just don't have any sense. I <laughs> just keep doing the same thing over and over. Not even expecting <laughs> different results.
1: Just keep doing the same <laughs> thing. What's the normal? What's the normal like your cycle, your process for the for the web website? You just like it's always open. Yeah, and, um, well,
3: except now we've uh, spent a couple of months listening submissions for the 20th anniversary issue, and now we're shut down for the month of June to go through all of those and hopefully publish on July 1st again. Knock on wood. Um, but normally it's a rolling process. What I decided to do um, when when Facebook and social media became became king. I decided to stop doing issues and do it more like a news site, and that a new set of poems would come up every couple of days. And it was just a continuous thing that I could be promoting on social media all the time. That other people could choose to promote on social media all the time, um, rather than rather than a big issue. And big issues are exciting when they come out, no question. That's cool. But at the same time, a lot of stuff tends to get buried, you know. I mean, the the headliners get a lot of play, and whoever's the best at social media gets a lot of play. But some stuff just gets buried. Um, so I'm like, let's let's uh, structure it after after news site. I was really looking at uh, 538 of all things, which, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, which has nothing to do with what I published, But I, I really was um, digging the the way they rotated out content, um, and and that was uh, kind of the inspiration for the new version of Unlucky Stories. Nice. <laughs> Sorry,
0: I'm so I was just waiting so, when, so the anniversary issue is coming out when?
3: hopefully July 1st July 1st, alright now the uh, the parties here in New Orleans they're going to be at Always on June the 22nd and at the New Orleans Arts Center on June the 23rd and at Always we're going to have spoken word of Music and um, that'll be a $5 cover and at the New Orleans Arts Center on, on June the 23rd we're going to have some Yaka and wine and have a nice long poetry read. And we've got some out-of-towners coming in. We've got a couple of my Lafayette crew coming in for the um, Spoken Word thing on Friday, the 22nd. Um, We've got some people coming in uh, from way out-of-town, like El Paso and Salt Lake City for the poetry on um, the
0: 23rd. Where are you getting the Yaka from? (laughs) That is a great
3: question. And we have been through a couple of vendors, so if you have some recommendations after this show... I, I, I would be uh, very grateful. For All right, we're, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it, it's a large amount of you need, huh?
3: Uh, we, we we figured fifty, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, um, 15 more people will hear this podcast, we'll have double that. I don't know. That's about the size of our
1: listener base. <laughs> yeah, so everybody, come! I mean, if if everyone listening so can to this comes, <laughs> I want some Yuckerman right now,
2: right? <laughs> uh, Love that! It'd be so good.
1: So, what else is what else poetry wise? We well, got yeah, I know that, that you're a, you're a you uh do web design and uh, sites. I, I'm just curious if you you know look at you know consider or if you have any projects that you've done. I suppose I suppose because there's like you know a lot of straight ahead projects or commercial projects, but there's also other sides to to coding and writing code and as a poet as a writer yourself. Do you? dabble in any overlaps of those things and do you I mean you're an editor but as a writer yourself and as a, as a coder do you do you sort of see any connections in language and, and process and composition at all yeah.
3: there's there's, uh, there's definitely overlap just cause of the way I've, I've structured my life um, you know I, I try to do uh, niche uh, websites I try to work with artists and publishers and stuff like that because it's who I'm used to dealing with you know I had a uh, straight job when I began the uh, website I was doing IT for Porsche Cars North America that, that was not an easy job. Everybody <laughs> there had really big... When, when they hired me, they said, um, uh, everybody here works for Porsche, and everybody here thinks of themselves as a Porsche and expects to be treated like one. So, yeah, that's over. I don't do that anymore. I write code from my home office. And, yeah, there's, there's, there's always cultural overlap. Uh, as opposed to creative overlap, um, yeah, there There certainly can be. One of the things that I worked on that was uh, written in JavaScript um, that I was real happy with, we lost our our poetry editor, Michelle Greenblatt, uh, a couple of years back. And we did a tribute to her that was, we we rounded up a bunch of poems to her and an audio file to her, and we had them slide onto the screen in a bunch of different ways um, so that they were all kind of concurrent and all kind of making this a uh, huge memorial, you know, there on the screen of uh, things sliding in. That was uh, a real pleasure to work on and a real pleasure to do. I like sliding in and out of different things. I just did some some good work for a creative person, uh, Michael War. He grew up in Baton Rouge and now he lives and teaches in San Francisco. But it was fun because I was sliding out of uh, working on his website, which is in Drupal, which is a, a language I. Other uh, content management system I like to work on, uh, sliding into creating a new video for him, and then getting it to the web, uh, getting a PDF ready for him, and that's fun to me when I'm working in in a couple of different ways, as opposed to just sitting there writing a web
1: page straight through. So yeah, I really appreciate some good creative gigs like that with some real creative. Yeah, people. yeah. So he's an artist or a poet or a writer. So you built like his personal website. Um. He- He's a writer. I didn't I didn't build it. I worked on it. It's at okay.
3: Us, and he's got uh, several different creative projects going. He's mostly a writer, and, you know, there's a new translation of his work into Mendarian that uh, we put up. And he uh, uh, was doing things like uh, superimposing poems on graphics. You know, that's always a really easy thing to do. But then we um, worked on a little video somebody else that also worked on it caught a few of my influences where we had some James Brown playing while well, it scrolled through photographs of his favorite influences that was mm. good to
1: work on. Cool. Fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else? What else is going on? What else is going on? Summertime in New Orleans. is It's getting kind of hot out here, huh? Summertime in New
3: Orleans. Um, yeah, I'm going to spend some of it in Atlanta where I'm from. And, you know, it's a little hotter here, but better summer times in New Orleans than Atlanta, right?
1: Oh man, I couldn't imagine a summer in Atlanta. Holy it shit! It seems like
0: it's probably just as hot as here, except it's from Atlanta,
1: right? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, what's uh, what's Atlanta to you? What's your? Have you spent a lot of time in Atlanta. You just um, got. You said you got family there?
3: Oh, yeah. Well, my parents still live there. That's where I was raised. Yeah, my parents live in uh, one of the northern suburbs. And, you know, it's um, always a a comedy. You know, you get there, you take uh, public transportation to almost their side of town, and then you can't take it any further (laughs) because northern (laughs) suburbs don't want black people coming in. And they believe that black people ride public transportation and are
0: trying to prevent public transportation to prevent black people than it, but it's just an incredibly, incredibly willfully segregated city still today. Well, it seems like, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like every other city in America has started to reverse all the suburban white flight that has happened, and now people want to live downtown again, but sure. Atlanta, that has
2: not happened yet. <laughs> I mean, there are pockets in
3: Atlanta where, where it
2: happened, and gentrification
3: is definitely an issue. I don't know. Like, I guess it depends on the white people. Seems like you get both kinds in Atlanta. Um, yeah. So you're so you're going to be
0: visiting some family again in Atlanta.
3: That's right. And yeah, I'm going to. I'll a coffee shop there on July first, so that'll be fun. I haven't read there in forever and ever. And what coffee shop's that? Carvana, which is check for coffee. In what what neighborhood? It's it's in the quote unquote suburb of Decatur, which pushes right up against Atlanta, and it's the East Lake neighborhood.
1: Yeah, I think I've been over there. Oh, okay. Is it, like, a cute little neighborhood? Is there, like, a big crazy sculpture of a spider or something?
3: It is now. It wasn't when I was growing up, i tell you what. But yeah, it's a cute little neighborhood now. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Right there in years, you know, I'm not looking forward to visiting Atlanta, but I think it'll be fun to read <laughs> so
0: it. So, what does the poetry seem like in Atlanta?
3: Oh, man, I am, I am pretty far out of oh, uh, so. in that regard. Or what did it
0: used to be like when you were part of, when you were more aware of it or more involved in it?
3: <laughs> it, was, it, it, it tended to be uh, segregated, uh, like a lot of poetry scenes in the South. Not, not in any um, necessarily deliberate way, but it tended to be uh, white page poets and black spoken word poets and everything Twain uh, will meet. I've, I've seen places where that's worse. It's kind of worse here, even though this is a much less segregated city. Uh, and it was it was uh, bad in Atlanta at the time. Um, per person, Atlanta is not an art city, uh, certainly not like New Orleans. I mean, I think they're four times as big as New Orleans. Yeah. And, you know, there's maybe a quarter of the arts. Oh, weird. I mean, yeah, um, well, I mean, New Orleans, particularly, is a wonderful, famous art center. But I mean, well, yeah, to, especially
0: um, for music, but you yeah. would think with poetry, maybe it wouldn't be as big a difference, but it's still.
3: It, it's, it, it's just Atlanta. I, I mean, if you, you,
2: um, yeah. you're just
3: in England, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd rather really be in the uh, uh, literary scene in Cleveland than Atlanta any day.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think the literary scene in Cleveland is popping off right now. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things. You know, it depends on what you're dialed into, really. I think uh, you a lot of young writers coming up. I don't know. I think there's some, some, some different things happening. I, I don't know much about I mean, I know the last time I was in Atlanta dude do a thing we read at IDrum. Okay. At uh with uh, with that with the with the Atlanta Poets uh group or whatever yeah, they yeah. were called, John Lowther and, and that group. Yeah, yeah. Um, my God, that was a while ago. Yeah, that was when AWP was there in oh, two thousand okay, something. Seven. Seven, yeah. yeah. I was I was at that show. You were at that show. Yeah, Amy King was there, right? Yeah. yeah. And it was in that big warehouse I drove yeah. Bill well, I was there with Bill. Bill was there. I, I, then, then, then we must have shaken hands, because, you know, I hung out with uh, Bill and, of course, John. Christian read that night. He did. And, and so did, uh, I read that night, and I read, and, and so did my friend Matt Timmons from L.A. read that night, who runs um, Insert Blanc Press out of L.A. But, um, but I read that night with a projection. Do you remember there was a giant, crazy, weird projection going on during a reading? I projected, like, a video behind me. All right. What, what was it? We like, we, like, worked all the other readers' names into this crazy weird projection.
3: Okay, yeah, yeah. That,
1: and then there was a big peach. Uh, there was a big peach that was moving, shaking. During it, like, it was, like, the logo for AWP that year. It was, like, a peach, and it was going, like, it was, like, a vibrating peach. I was pretty drunk, man. But I, I yeah, that's fine. I names. was pretty... I remember the names, because I was, you know... I was, I was, uh, and, then, and then I remember the end of the video... I, it was, oh, wait, 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 wait. Actually, if, if I remember correctly, it might have been the video of me, the video of, of a hand pushing a glass off a table in slow motion. That sounds And then at the end of that, we did the name thing, and then we did this crazy, like, vibrating peach AWP logo that year. Okay. And then it ended, I think the entire thing ended, where <laughs> we, we found a picture on the internet of a gravestone that said Chad Lowther on it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we put that at the end to fuck with him, because he, you know, it's like it's like it's like he's the kind of guy that you want you want to mess with. Yeah, yeah. And we did, and we did that. And he was like, man, that's so fucked up what you did. <laughs> he was like, he was like, he was like, he was like weirded out by it, because he was the next reader. That's great. Well, Jonathan,
0: do you want to maybe um, do Re- you want to read us something? Read us a poem, maybe like something you're going to be reading in Atlanta a little bit. All right,
3: let's see
1: what I got here. Cool. So, tell us what you got for us? Alright, well,
3: since we were talking about Cleveland, I don't have any Cleveland palms, but I do have two Toledo palms. I assure you I know the
1: difference. Close them. enough.
3: Yeah, geographically they're close enough, right? Yeah,
1: dude, Toledo. If you want to know about a city that's really on the skids, man. You're right. Toledo, Ohio yeah. is like. There's some real estate investments going on there right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Chinese are buying it all up. I
3: lived at a, a, an arts community there called the Collingwood Arts Center. Do you know the place?
1: Ooh, that sounds really familiar.
3: Yeah, it used to be really scary before I lived there. When I lived there it wasn't real bad. Um, when, when I lived there there was there was a lot of ecstasy rolling around which was just fine by me. Before I lived there there was a lot of heroin falling around which you know was not really my bag thanks anyway um, <laughs> but um, yeah so I, I mean you know I got there at a pretty good time and eventually they just had to stop having residents which what can you do? I, I mean you know um, keeping keeping artists' residence is a rough deal. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> the room there's super cheap, and you didn't have to worry about you really didn't have to worry about making a living.
1: A couple hundred bucks a month or something.
3: They started at seventy five. Whoa! Wow. I paid I paid more than that for a little more space, but I, I mean you know seventy five. Seventy five. Like
1: sure, yeah. if you're not trying to like do three high bunking, you know like right. like yeah. you, like a youth hostel in Austria.
3: Yeah, exactly. That's what the seventy five was. Was I, I mean it was. Uh, it was a nunnery, see, it was a former nunnery, and uh, people were sleeping in the cells. None of us had our own bathroom, to be
1: clear. I mean, yeah. you, know, yeah. you don't
3: get that, for 75 dollars.
1: Um, and when you say nunnery, you actually mean convent. Not in the, not in the way that Shakespeare used <laughs> to <the> serve. <term. laughs>
3: <laughs> not a <mean>, nunnery! <laughs> well, that's what we did, we got a nunnery.
0: Sometimes we yeah. overlap
1: those terms. Fair enough.
3: <laughs> I, I, I nunnery was technically a convent. I thought they were the same, the same
1: thing. Uh, I think nunnery really, actually, in the Shakespearean term, means whorehouse or, well, or really, brothel that was the or brothel. There. Yeah. yeah. Really?
0: Yeah. But I think that was slang, right? Like that was like yeah, a slang, like a term.
1: slang term. I see. Because I called
2: yeah. this
0: poem the nunnery.
1: Don't let us have it.
0: All right. It's going to change everyone's way that they read it as they listen to it here. I I, I
3: mean, it certainly changed the way I'm going (laughs) to read it. I'm just on a a whole different man. I don't know what to do anymore. Alright. The Nunnery. We are building a new religion, but not all with the same gods. And we are sleeping in this nunnery, where no vow of silence ever meant as much as the lunatic pounding the piano with a perfect sense of tempo, but no desire for grace. The ringmaster is warning us of the dangers of gossip, while sucking off the cultist who's got no place to stay. The opera singer is warning me not to wear my glasses, because the doctors are conspiring to eliminate my race. And I'm... okay. And it's a late Erie winter, but I have a mattress and a cell that's really quite warm, and I've got a couple forties stored right outside this window, where the architecture rises like ten shorn drops on minarets. Tumbling towards Bethlehem against a bullet-ridden sign, while your dreams stay in the basement where they kept the pregnant
1: sisters waiting for the capricious millennium to be born. <laughs> that, that's spot on <laughs> <And> for the. <laughs> you hit it. You hit. Well, you like you. You. That's the teeter. That's the teeter totter nunnery poem. Between the You're convent like, and the whorehouse? Yeah. Well, it's just like it maintains a balance, yeah.
3: There you go, I guess it does. All right. <laughs> um, I'm going to pretend from now on that, that I understood that, um, that uh, context the whole time. I really thought he was telling her to get to a convent.
1: I've misunderstood a vital scene in Hamlet this entire time. I mean, I guess it works on many levels. Right, I guess That's, that's how Shakespeare time. played it.
3: Yeah.
1: All right. This
3: next one uh, has a couple of references that uh, make us look good right away, but... Um, Buckeye beer, uh, Buckeye beer is the cheap beer of Ohio, and uh, it flows everywhere. And well, it's it's cheap lager, contrasted to Lone Star beer, which is the cheap lager of Texas. There's not a lot of contrast. They sound pretty much. They taste pretty much exactly the same. <laughs> so this poem is called "The Way Buckeyes and Buds Taste Just Like the Lone Star." So the ink stained asphalt stretched before me, neat that dotted yellow line sleeping like a leather dom who never looks inside. And all the stars came out to celebrate my reminiscing in every place that is deserted, all the places that are brave. Once, I saw a thousand points of light when all the cigarettes could burn in unison. So I sat down with O'Reilly in Montezuma's bed to dream the sweet, hard heart of Staten Island on game night. I rapped, My lips, Round Indians east and west who tried to teach me to love folks who weren't like me, then sank my thumbs into Schenectady and mud back to when I never loved no folks at all. I don't mean to get political. It's just Great Uncle Jack told us to travel like a child even after Burroughs shot that hole in grandma's head.
1: Burrows <laughs> to get the end was just too much. <laughs> right. <laughs> Can you, what's the last what's the last little piece again? Jet. Great Uncle Jack told Great us Uncle to Jack. travel like a child. Even after Bro shot that hole on head, <laughs> wow! Yeah, um, I mean it's just about drifting. You know, it's about
3: uh, the way the beer tastes exactly the same in Texas as in Ohio. It's about um, finding America in Juarez, um, which is which is where I, I really found America. I found America um, at a uh, taco shop in Juarez where I was eating to sober up. I had just been to an English language poetry read there on the Wild West Strip. Um, and I went there to sober up in the taco place and the uh, hostess was watching my work on the television and three young men came in and the middle one was bleeding profusely from his head. And the three young men, uh, walked into the restroom, you know, to, to claim the, um, uh, the one who's bleeding up. And the, the, guy who was bleeding was, uh, conscious. He was cogent. And he knew the hostess, and he was embarrassed, he was smiling sheepishly, like, "Yeah, okay, my friends have to help me out. Oh, please don't think any less of me." And just as they went into the bathroom, Faye Dunaway said, "Then don't leave me." And it was just the most American thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, you know, sounds like a
0: fairly American scene,
1: right? Yeah, <laughs> you gotta go to Water's for it. <laughs> I think that's the best poem you read was that last one okay. where you, the story you just told. <laughs> uh, I just saw that scene, yeah. I just, like, in my mind, in my mind, I, like, a play, I, like, just visualized it. It's like a little scene in a movie. There's, like, a riot. There's, like, like, something going on outside, but, like, or there's, like, this reading going on. There's this reading going on in this gallery, and there's some other shit going on outside where there's, like, fucking people throwing bottles off the top of a building, not for any reason at all, just to try to Land them in this trash, trash, trash big bin, sure, sure. but it, but like, but there's a reading's going on, the poetry is going on, and there's this other shit going on around the corner, mm-hmm. and you can kind of faintly hear it in the reading, you know, and and it kind of ebbs and flows, and then these dudes were just walking down the street trying to come into the cafe, or they weren't even trying to come into the cafe because they came there out of refuge because they knew it was a place where they could clean this dude up, and. Uh, But because he's walking, and he's walking around the corner and doesn't notice, and someone throws one of those fucking bottles, and the bottle fucking hits him in the head. Right, right. So that's what caused his wound. I'm like trying to write the backstory in my mind as to what Uh, happened before. Alright, now you have to write the backstory to explain why
0: why the woman working at the place is watching Network.
1: Ooh, because 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 even though she's wait she's the waitress in a diner hostess in a diner, in some weird way she yearns to have office work in an in a fancy new office building.
3: Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, networks all power players, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, yeah, and the best part is that. There's all these people not noticing what's going on, you know, and in, in your story there's layers and layers of people not noticing what's going on, you know. Somebody threw a bottle without any malice
1: and means again Oh, and they're all up top of the roof. Yeah, and then the rooftop scene, the party on the rooftop is like the real story. Uh-huh. Which is like which is like the dude's doing it and he's like, Hey, let me watch, let me do one, you know? And like the, and then and like the leader of the group, like the guy who's like the the head-head guy who's throwing the party, he goes, let me do one, right? And he comes up and does one. And front. he takes his Buckeye beer bottle. And he takes <laughs> his Buckeye beer bottle! <sighs> oh, man, they have a truckload of Buckeye beer that <laughs> fell off the truck. <laughs> there it
2: is.
0: Well, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Um, so we will put a link for all the t- two unlikely stories and all those... All those a vest that you've been talking about are up there too, right? Yeah, for sure. And yeah, and what we're book or, were you reading
2: from? You reading um, from? Yeah, oh,
3: sorry, yeah, yeah. I'm reading from, and I better uh, shout out to the publisher too, Henry um, I'm reading from my 2016 book, Standards of Siditi, and it was published by Lit Fest Press, L I T F E S T Press, uh, which is a a great uh, place that throws amazing parties at AWP's and stuff. Um, Festival of Languages, their big AWP parties, and that's going to be in Portland on the Wednesday night of AWP, um, and she's she's actually based out of rural Illinois, and she throws all these incredible parties, which is why I just wanted to be focused with Fest Press, and <laughs> now I am. Standards
1: of city
2: Nice, nice.
1: Awesome. Well, we'll uh, see you all next week for
2: another episode of No Good Public. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>